you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello, welcome back to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. As always, it's myself, Colin Kelly. Hope things are well wherever you are. And, uh, of course, week six in the books now. We're going to be running through all the recaps in just a little moment. Today's guest is going to be Keen Fahey. Keen writes for the Bleacher Report Football Guys and many, many other publications. And uh, looking forward to talking to him in just a little moment about all things week six, which I have to say I really enjoyed. Lots of, lots of interesting results. And if you listen to the prediction show earlier, uh, well, earlier last week, uh, on Friday or Saturday or Sunday, uh, you'll hear that uh, I was quite good on my picks this week, thought a lot of underdogs would win, a lot of them did come true, and we'll be talking about all those games in just a little moment, but as always, thanks for listening to the show, uh, hopefully you're going to enjoy this one, hopefully you have been enjoying the past shows, keep spreading the word on Twitter, Facebook, social media, whatever you can do to help spread the word off Overtime Ireland, get us more listeners, followers, and so on, and Thank you for the continued support. They have been going up each and every week. The easiest way to get the podcast probably iTunes or Stitcher. Tune in as well. We're available and really available anywhere that you get podcasts. Just search in Overtime Ireland. should come up there for you. You can also go to OvertimeIreland.com. Find all the links that way. And, of course, you can stream it on OvertimeIreland.com as well. So be sure and check that out. Be sure and make sure you're subscribing to us as well. And uh, thanks, as always, for the support. As many of you know, I've been promoting uh, the OTI Fantasy Fives over the last couple of weeks, which can be found at OvertimeIreland.com forward slash OTI Fantasy Fives. Go to OvertimeIreland.com, of course. Easiest way to access all the information about it. But pick five players. This week was the first week we've done it where you could pick any five players throughout the NFL and see who picked up the most points during week six. The winner was at Viva Laden 1, and he won this week's OTI uh, prize with the, the cash competition. Three, do- or three, three pound to enter, and then uh, you pick up the cash, whoever has the highest score. And he was the winner this week. It's been going good good fun so far, and uh, hopefully more people are getting involved this week. We'll be talking more about it on the preview show, of course. But you can sign up, pick your players now, and uh, no need to wait to the weekend to make sure you're involved. But of course, if you want, think it over. What do you see how injuries go, and then pick your players. Think about it throughout the week. Come back Friday, listen to my thoughts on the games, and uh, then set your lineup, and we'll be ready to go for week seven. That's OTI Fantasy Fives. And with the plugs out of the way, as always, I'd like to get them done early in the show, get them out of the way. Let's get into the week six recap. Let's recap this weekend's NFL action. It's the OTI Weekend Roundup. Joined back on the show by Kian Fahey. It's a few months since we had him on, but it's always good getting another Irish man on. This time, him being in Ireland and me being in Melbourne, Australia, is a little bit of a different dynamic. But uh, week six was a lot of fun. Well, I thought it was a lot of fun. Anyway, we'll see what Kian made of it in just a moment. But uh, thanks, as always, Kian, for joining us back on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, obviously, there was a lot of talking points in week six. Uh, some of them good, some of them bad, but... Uh, we got a little mention on Twitter from Jackie Terrell, and he mentioned about the, the botched kind of play in the, the Colts game. Overall, uh, the Patriots-Colts game, you know, from the start, it looked like the, the Colts were going to put up quite a good fight, and it went into the lead, and then uh, the Patriots kind of, they couldn't stop them, uh, the Colts couldn't stop them at all in offense, and didn't look all that great, but uh, when they went for that, bo- the kind of, we'll call it the botched, uh, I don't know, botched punt return, botched special teams play, uh, what were your thoughts at the moment that it happened? Because mines were just uh, mind numbing. <laughs> well, I was watching it at three o'clock in the morning or whatever it was. I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me because I, <laughs> I didn't know what what they were trying. Because even if they were trying to do the swinging gate or whatever it's called, the yeah. college play, the, the player has to be away from under center. He has to be distance back so he can throw the ball. So even that didn't make any sense. But people in Ireland today when I was out in town were stopping me people who don't follow football don't know anything about football were stopping me and asking me what play and I was kind of going I've no idea so you can ask me now and I still haven't a clue but 
besides the actual uh, that actual one play, I think the game largely went as expected. The Colts put up a good fight early, but ultimately the Patriots are just a more talented team. The Colts' defense is disastrous, really. You've got a guy like Mike Adams who got the interception last night, but yeah. the ball basically bounced him after he was beaten in coverage, and he's kind of a main problem for them. And he was being painted as someone who was keeping the defense together last night because he's just exceptionally slow. He's a very old player. And he kind of embodies that whole defense because the whole back seven is just too slow. They're built to stop the run, and they're not really a good running run defense <laughs> team either. But they're built to stop the run, and teams that can pass the ball, or sorry, the, the better teams in the league are the teams that can pass the ball. So when they come up against good opposition, it's always going to be tough. Yeah, you mentioned they're built to, to stop the run. Well, against the Patriots the last couple of seasons, they haven't been able to stop the run. And then the Patriots kind of went a little bit of a different route this time. Uh, a lot of short passes, a lot of quick passes. And then they didn't get uh, you know they didn't get Gronk involved until, I think it was the second half. He had his first catch, but even when he got going, they couldn't really stop that. But I thought overall, the Colts weren't all that bad. That was a very poor decision. The decision, obviously, like the, the special teams play, is going to take all the news. And maybe it's a good thing in Ireland that it's getting more people interested in the game, but I don't think the Colts fans are thinking of it that way. But when you look at the, the onside kick they had in the game that looked to be clearly recovered, I think it was Dante Moncrief that looked like recovered it. It had been given on the field as a, a Patriots recovery, and then after the video decision, uh, it stayed with the Patriots. Were you surprised that that uh, wasn't overturned and given to the Colts? Well, that was a shockingly bad decision, but was I surprised? I wasn't surprised because... We've had, what, six weeks of this now where the officials just seem to be random. Mm. You even we, we obviously get to it eventually, but you look at the Golden Tate touchdown catch <laughs> from yesterday as well. That was baffling when you oh, consider the touchdown yeah. one a couple of weeks ago. So there's nothing that can really surprise me with officials at this point. They're, obviously, when you look at it back and you say, oh, that's definitely the Colts ball, the Patriots never even seem to recover it at all. But it's just the way the, way the NFL is. Everything is convoluted. Everything has to be difficult. Everything has to be complicated. I don't know why it has to be that way, but it's the way it is. Yeah, because at that stage, uh, I think there was maybe only three points in it. The, the Colts had just scored before it, kick in, or, and then do the onside kick. Uh, it looked like, I can't remember which Pedro's player it was, but it looked like he had kind of one hand on the ball as he lay on the ground with his face into the ground, so no way he was going to be able to hold on to it. Then two Colts players come in, and I thought it looked like Moncrief recovered, but I guess they said unless it's 100% conclusive, they can't overturn it, so that was that. But from both teams, you know, the, the Colts, with the way their division is, looks like they're still going to go on and win the division pretty comfortably. The Patriots are looking like business is business for them as well. And uh, really, what we thought going into the game, what we think coming out of the game, Andrew Luck played in this one. Uh, some of his throws looked decent enough, but obviously not fully there with the arm strength. And then he did miss a couple of wide-open receivers uh, on a couple of plays. But your thoughts on Luck since he came back in? I thought it was better than what we've seen from him at the start of the season. It was better than what we saw from the from the start of the season, but that was a pretty low bar. I don't think he's going <laughs> yeah, to right. yeah. You see, even when he's pushing the ball down the field, it's looping a lot more than it used to. He was hit. He, I think he had three or four last night where he had receivers running across the middle of the field where his passes just floated, and it was it wasn't even that he was under pressure or he was off balance. His throws were just not comfortable. The velocity on the balls because that that's what used to stand out with him. He could throw the ball from any body position and it would still fly out of his arm and it would fly the whole way down the field. It would be as fast as when he, uh, it would be it would be as fast as when it arrived as yeah. it was when it left his arm. And when you looked at his passes last night, it was. They just look so much limper than they've, they've ever been. So that that's my concern with him moving forward. But like you said, the AFC South is so bad, the Colts should still just waltz into the playoffs. And from there, 
they'll have to figure out what they can do but that's a long way away yeah we'll get to the other teams in that division in a moment but it is pretty bad but you mentioned there the velocity coming out uh, you know and we've seen Tom Brady as well a lot of quick passes all season long just over two seconds he's averaging to release the ball but a player this night that you know, I'm a Packers fan, but I was, you know, very impressed with Philip Rivers this season. He's had no offensive line all season, and uh, he's still getting the job done. Unfortunately for the, uh, for the Chargers, it's just not enough with what he has around him, with what the defense is doing. It's uh, just not enough each and every week. But in this game, a phenomenal game from him overall, and the Packers players pretty much in off uh, how he was delivering the ball each and every time. I always feel bad for Philip Rivers because yeah. he's always treated as the other guy, where he should really be discussed as. Maybe not on the same level as Manning and Brady, but he should definitely be just in that tier and just below them if he's below them. But he's always been in the West Coast. He's always been on teams for having great, so he's never really been able to get to a Super Bowl or he's never really been able to compete. He's obviously never got to a Super Bowl. Uh, I think when he's at his peak, like he was this week, he's one of the best quarterbacks to watch. He's just so smart, so quick-moving, so precise in everything he does. And he's playing behind an offensive line that is just nowhere near where it needs to be. And the unfortunate thing is they actually invested quite a bit in the offensive line this year. And it looked like it was going to be good enough for Rivers. But for the second year in a row, they've had devastating injuries. And they just you can't, you can't really be a successful team if your offensive line is that bad and you don't have a great defense to counter it. Yeah, when you look at the offensive line, you know you mentioned putting someone into this off season, but over the last couple of years, I don't. There has to be the most injury prone group in the NFL. Last year, they were devastated. I think they might have had four centers at a stage last year that they rotated through. Similar situation this year, going through players in the offensive line. So Rivers is morely, mostly getting the ball out quickly because he has no other option, or else he's going to get killed behind that offensive line. But overall, uh, very impressed with his play. But again, for the Chargers, it's not good enough. And with the way their season's going, we might see changes at the end of the season to the coaching staff and so on because it's just it's just not going to be enough I suppose for those Chargers fans but maybe they'll be in LA next year we'll see what happens there but 503 yards in this for Philip Rivers uh, Keenan Allen with a, a big big game again I think he ended up with 14 receptions in this one but the Packers uh, offensively struggling a little bit but I think it is coming down now at this stage two injuries Nelson obviously out Montgomery went out last night with an injury Lacey's not really getting many snaps due to his ankle situation being banged up I think they're trying to save him for later in the season but James Starks with a nice game here I think that's an underappreciated pass defense there in in, in San Diego as well. So I wouldn't be too concerned about the Packers. You look like a guy like, uh, like uh, Jason Brett, who's a star. Brendan yeah. Flowers has been struggling a bit this year. He's not as fast. But they've also got Eric Weddle there, who's a really good safety. And I think it's um, is it Patrick Robinson. I may, have, I may have the wrong name there, but yeah. I think it's Patrick Robinson who's playing for him as well, who's playing relatively well. So I wouldn't be too concerned about the Packers. Again, they've got Aaron Rodgers, so you can kind of just fill in the rest of the depth chart there, and they're still going to contend. Yeah, it is the situation too, obviously, when you have players missing, but if you're 6-0 after six games in the season, you have a little bit of time to, to try and negotiate those situations and see who you can get back healthy. The one concern I had in this with the Packers was uh, Randall Cobb had a couple of big... They obviously didn't count in the end of the game, but at the time, uh, a few bad drops from him, which is very, very unlike him. But next game up, the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Are you taking Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bengals as the real deal now? Um, well, I'm taking the Bengals as, but I, and I have been <laughs> since after the first couple of weeks. I was skeptical of them before the season began, but you just see the weapons on offense and the offensive line. Like nobody can touch Dalton, nobody can can cover their, his receivers. So even if he even if he doesn't play well, and even if he doesn't play to the standard of, of the to the standard of the opposing quarterback, he's still going to have a good chance of winning the game simply because they're that talented. 
But the one big concern with them, and you've seen it over the past couple of weeks, is their run defence. Yeah. They seem to be giving up very easy yards in the running game. I'm not sure how much they're giving up in total, but when teams really look to run and really want to run, they, they're able to get the yards they need, which is a major issue because you, you look at, uh, obviously, again, in, an, in the AFC with the Patriots, like you said, with the Colts, they will adjust and target your weaknesses, and that's what they're going to do against the Bengals if if they meet the Bengals in the playoffs. Yeah, and when you look at the game early in this game, when the game was close, obviously it did stretch out later on, and then the Bills got a late touchdown to close it out at 34-21 to 21 to the Cincinnati Bengals. But when it was close, LeSean McCoy just coming back off his injury. He had a couple of big runs earlier on, early on in the game. He had one over 30 yards, I think, and maybe the second or third snap of the, the game overall. So I think, as you mentioned, they are struggling there in run defence. Uh, the, the key player at the moment, I think, to really open things up, obviously Giovanni Bernard's playing well ahead of people thought this season. Jeremy Hill maybe starting to round into you know what people thought of him with a, a nice game yesterday. But when you look at Tyler Eifert, I think he's the key piece, that, and Marvin Jones obviously came back. But it gives options to stretch the field, and it obviously helps the running back situation. It helps uh, with the coverage that Bengals not going to get as much blitzing either. So I think, do you think Tyler Eifert is the key to this team? Well, it's Eifert and Green together, isn't it? I don't, I don't mean the key, but I mean compared to what we've seen last season to, to help Dalton to have that safety blanket in the middle. And we're seeing with even against the, the Seahawks, and we'll talk about them in a minute, but last week, Tyler Eifert with those two touchdowns straight down the middle of the field. At the moment, he's I don't know if they're not paying him enough attention, but he seems to be very, very difficult to cover at the moment. Well, it's him and Marvin Jones being healthy because both of those players were out last year. Yeah. And Green as well, even though Green is a, a high reputation player and a top five wide receiver generally uh, in consensus, he, he wasn't playing that great last year and this year he's been a lot better. So you kind of think about all those different uh, different things combined rather than just adding Eifert. It, it's kind of making the defense have to pick a poison because you, you're not even talking about someone like Mohamed Sanu who yeah. is a fourth receiver on the team is also very good. So it's not just adding those players specifically, but it's adding the, adding them all together to a core that's already very, very impressive. Yeah, it's true. And Sanu last year, of course, was the, the second wide receiver on the depth chart. So obviously it is much, much improved in that position too. On the other side of the ball, the Buffalo Bills, obviously EJ Manuel starting in this one. Uh, obviously didn't look all that impressive. There was talk that you know a report came out at the start of the week that if he played well, he could possibly keep the job. I don't think that there is going to last too long. And uh, then uh, Sammy Watkins caught a touchdown in this one, but did hurt his ankle, and it was seen on crutches uh, at halftime in this game. Watkins at the moment just just can't seem to stay healthy. Well, he's been getting open when he's been healthy, and they haven't really been feeding the ball, which is obviously a concern in itself. But yeah, you can't really do anything with these injuries, can you? Because he's suffering pretty significant injuries and I don't know if it's something that he's doing something to just the way he is or he's just been unlucky but the, the Bills really need him because even though they've got a bunch of weapons and Tyrod Taylor is, is a decent player a better quarterback than you'd expect he's still not the kind of guy who's going to carry uh, a receiving core that's led by Chris Hogan and Robert Woods yeah. he needs all his weapons around him to be available to be an effective offense especially because that defense isn't playing to the standards everyone expected to play to the defensive line in particular seems to be getting shut out more often than you'd expect. So Watkins is a hugely important player. We knew that already, but I think we, we learn even more, or we learn that even more when he's not on the field. Yeah, I think like he is getting opened, as you said. He is you know, very t- gifted athletically and a great talent for the team, but just it seems to be just building up on him. But I did see in Rappaport had tweeted at the start of the week or in midweek that you know he was getting a lot of criticism for being injury-prone, but he did play last season for all 16 games. I think he played all the games last season, and I think he played a couple of them with a few broken ribs as well. So uh, the, uh, durability might be an issue, but he's, uh, I think he does tough 
tough out through games but yesterday just didn't seem to be an option and it was looked to be more unfortunate than anything on that touchdown as he just tried to turn and rolled over on the ankle so we'll see how long he's out for but uh, next up the Carolina Panthers get a big big win in Seattle against the Seahawks 27-23 when this game was coming to a close Cam Newton gets them into field goal territory did you think at any point that they were going to try and throw deep to the end zone to Greg Olson or did you think they were going to try and take this one to overtime well, I think they're the kind of team that probably should take that opportunity, and I wasn't usually surprised that Newton would because he's generally an aggressive quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And but he's but he's aggressive, but he's kind of smart about it. And you you see that throw the throw he made to to win the game. There was there wasn't anyone in sight, so it's not like he was was um, forcing the ball into a tight window or making a decision that was that you wouldn't make in different situations. But I, I think the Panthers' win was a surprise. But I think the actual result probably says a little bit more about what we thought of the Seahawks and what the Seahawks might actually be. Because yeah. that touchdown came on a blown coverage where Richard Sherman thought they were uh, in cover two, while Thomas and the rest of the defense caught they were, and thought they were in cover three. And that's been something that's been happening a lot. And you look back to the to the off season when Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman were both missing training camp because they're coming off injuries. Jeremy Lane and Carol Clayman aren't even on the field because they're still injured from last year. Simon got injured just before this year again so that wasn't necessarily just from last year and you've got Kerry Williams who's a new new cornerback uh, in the in the secondary and Cam Chancellor who wasn't there during the preseason so there's obviously cohesion issues there there's obviously communication issues there and that's going to be a, a constant for a while it seems after the Bengals game you thought they'd sort it out because Tyler Eifert got two huge plays on plays similar to that one but obviously it keeps happening so we can't say it's going to fix itself until it actually does yeah and that's very true too I mentioned Tyler Eifert earlier in the show getting those two touchdowns against the Seahawks then again obviously a big touchdown to lose the game this week to a tight end down the middle very very similar plays you mentioned there Kerry Williams he's really getting picked on at the moment and seems to be a real weak link in this but with his play maybe it's taking everyone else down but you mentioned the likes of Richard Sherman Earl Thomas there is a lot of you know, Cam Chancellor as well, mental layers maybe with the, you know, different coverages passing players off and so on and just they're being left wide open rather than somebody else picking them up. So the Seahawks defence at the moment, uh, is it a, are you really concerned? They're obviously two and four now and you know the the Cardinals lost just we'll be talking about it in a minute as well, but they're uh, they're not looking all that impressive. I know they started last year slowly, but I think this is a different situation than what we saw last year because offensively they're struggling as well, although Marshawn Lynch got in yesterday and Jimmy Graham had a better game but they're just not putting points on the board either. Well, I think Dan Quinn is probably a big loss because what you're seeing is teams are kind of figuring the Seahawks out as they go. They're getting a lot more uh, production in the fourth quarter than they are in the other quarters. Yep. And I think Chris Richards' blitz designs, his play calling has been more of a concern than anything. Obviously, the communication issues are there, and that's going to come back to the defensive coordinator, who is Richard. But it's... I, I am concerned about the defense. I still think it'll be a good defense, but they've had dominant defenses, and the offense has kind of worked again, uh, worked off that defense being dominant. And because the offense doesn't really seem to be improving, despite the addition of Jimmy Graham, you have to be more concerned about the quality of the defense because they can't—they have nothing to offset them. Yeah, that's very true. Just I, I just think um, I don't know that I would have a concern as a Seattle Seahawks fan if that was the case. And you mentioned the fourth quarter on our preview show. Uh, at the end of last week I mentioned that they've uh, blown a lot more fourth quarter leads than you would expect and uh, they've blown another one now this week so I think that might actually be the third on the season that they've lost in the fourth quarter they lost the Packers game they lost last week and they lost uh, then this week as well so you know something definitely going on there it could be right as you say teams might be figuring them out as the game progresses but next game up and uh, you know it looked like the Cleveland Browns had figured Peyton Manning out Peyton's been playing obviously uh, not very good at the moment it's been well documented 
three picks in this one for Manning. Uh, the Broncos eventually win in, in overtime, twenty six to twenty three. But I'd say the the defense and what the defense is doing for the Broncos, there's not a lot happening. Otherwise, a big long touchdown pass, uh, a short pass rather, but a long <laughs> touchdown to uh, Emmanuel Sanders in this one from Manning was kind of the bright spot for the offense. But they've been uh, really, really struggling offensively, and uh, you know it's the defense that's nearly putting all the points on the board for the Broncos. Can it continue to uh, have Pitt and play at this level? And you know, if they play better teams, you know, if they come up against the Patriots, I can't see, you know, this here formula working for them. Can it? Well, in the AFC, they can get away with it because yeah. the AFC is the weaker conference. Uh, Manning's playing pretty poorly, and there's thought some people are talking about replacing him. I don't think that's a good idea because I don't think Osweiler would be any better. Um, I, I think they can get away with this with this situation uh, with this setup. But they're going to need that defense to be dominant. It's a bit like what we were just talking about with the Seahawks. The defense can offset what's happening on the, on the offensive side. Yeah. So when Manning throws a turnover or when he throws an interception, it's not as bad as if he had done it two years ago or three years ago or even last year because the defense has been elevated to a new level that, that is just dominant. I think it's the best defense in the league. So if you've got the best defense in the league, you're always going to be a contending team unless your quarterback is an absolute disaster. And no, Peyton... Peyton's been bad and he's been turning the ball over but he's still making some uh, a lot of good plays he's still running the offense effectively he's, it's not like he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league right now we're just so used to him being great that it's kind of it's too easy to turn the, the narrative in, in the other extreme yeah obviously you're used to him being the you know the top quarterback in the league and he's dropped down a little bit but we'll see we'll see if it improves as the season goes on but the defense is really really uh, amazing so far this season you know DeMarcus Ware missed out in this game Shaquille Barrett came in and replaced him played very well Akeem Tlaib's playing excellent uh, just overall the defense has been superb so at the moment I think probably between them and Carolina for the best defense in the league would you agree with that? Um, I, <laughs> I think Denver <laughs> so far ahead yeah I, I'm, just, I'm kind of completely on that train uh, that train of thought <laughs> Next up, uh, at two teams with not good defenses, the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. This one won in overtime with a field goal, uh, 37-34 to 34 for the Detroit Lions. This game, maybe we've seen a bit of play here between Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson to open things up, but it was more kind of playground football, just throw it as far as you can, and hopefully Calvin Johnson comes down with it. But uh, Johnson hasn't been himself this season, uh, although he had a big game here. Do you think it's still uh, on the decline? I don't. I'm not too concerned about no. Calvin Johnson. My concern has always been Matthew Stafford because I don't think he's a very good quarterback. And you, you see, like on the final play. Well, I'm not sure if it was the final play, but it was the game. It was the play that ultimately decided the game. You still just have to throw the ball up for him, and he'll go yeah. and get it. Yeah. It's not like he stopped being tall. So <laughs> you know what I mean. Even though he's older, he's, he's probably not as explosive or as fast or as fluid as he used to be. But he had an extra step to lose. He had that extra bit of physical ability to lose. So. I'm not too concerned about Calvin Johnson, but the Lions as a whole are just not a good team. And them losing so many games over the first stretch of the year isn't really a surprise because you, you, lose, uh, you lose Sue, you obviously replace him with Nata, but Nata's not as good as Sue at this stage, and you lose Nick Fairley as well. It, it hurts, and then you've got um, DeAndre Levy, who's been out for the year. That's probably your third most, or your second most important player. So you're, you're kind of looking at it and you're thinking... The talent isn't really there. The quarterback isn't really there. The coaching isn't really there. So why would anyone have you big expectations for this team? Yeah, you mentioned there as well. You know the the play that set up the the final kind of field goal of the game and a big big fifty seven yard pass. Uh, overall, he had six catches for one hundred and sixty six yards and a touchdown. So maybe his decline has been exaggerated. And even on the touchdown play, on that big play at the end of the game, it was really down to just his you know 
extra length to go and catch the ball because the touchdown again was in a place where no defender was going to catch it and just because of his height that he was able to grab onto it so I think uh, you know the Lions just overall are going to be a bad team this season and I think as you mentioned it's more down to Matthew Stafford than it is down to, to Kelvin Johnson the Bears again thoroughly unimpressive in this one almost eked out a win but it uh, wasn't enough in the end the big talking point obviously you mentioned it earlier Golden Tate's touchdown um, <laughs> they said because he wasn't going to the ground he was in a, an act as a runner after he caught the ball so he was in control when he broke the plane but another situation where the decision just cha- seems to change from week to week yeah well look you, we, we get asked about the, the officials and all the decisions all the time and you just kind of you, you kind of brush it off because you don't really know what to say anymore because it's been going on for so long yeah, I guess we'll we'll leave it at <laughs> we'll leave it at that because there'll be another talking point next week, and I suppose the less talked about them, sometimes the better. The Houston Texans got a win on the road, thirty-one to twenty against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins having another big game here. A couple of good wide receivers, obviously, in this game with Allen Robinson. Allen Hearns is playing well as well, and then uh, DeAndre Hopkins is making the quarterbacks in Houston look somewhat reliable. How impressed have you been with him both this season and just since he's come into the league? He's had a phenomenal one-handed grab at one stage that he held against his helmet going out of bounds in the in the second half. You know, the sad thing with Hopkins is he looks There's like no he's on the course. Yeah, he looks like he's on the course for Andre Johnson's career where he's a great, great receiver, but he's going to be playing with people who can't give him good service. Yeah. Even with what, Mallet and Hoyer at this point, he's, he's on... I think I read earlier he's on track for 1,950 receiving yards this year. And that's just nonsensical with that kind of quarterback, you know? And But, like, my, my thing with DeAndre Hopkins is he's really physically gifted, even though he doesn't look it. He's not usually explosive, but he's very fluid, and he's great ball control. He's got great feet. He's got great ball skills. And he runs really good routes. So it's very, very difficult to cover him. He even like we won't really see it because he's got bad quarterback play. It's going to be more about the spectacular catches and just the, the ball skills in general to erase the bad accuracy. But if you put him with a good quarterback, he will just be phenomenal because he's so difficult to cover, even for the best receivers or the best defensive backs in the league. Because he's about six foot two, he's stocky and strong, but he's still very quick. So most cornerbacks aren't going to have that kind of well-rounded athleticism, or athleticism or technique. So if you have a guy like that with a good quarterback. You're going to have records broken, and by the look by the looks of him this year and the way the season's going, he might break yeah. those records anyway. He's on he's on pace at the moment uh, for uh, 139 receptions, almost 2,000 yards, and 13 touchdowns in the season. So we'll see we'll see how he goes the rest of the year. But you know, it's really down to a case of the quarterbacks being bad and just force feeding him the ball. But I guess he's going to keep getting the ball and he's going to keep getting those targets. So might keep it going. 15 targets for him in this game. Uh, Blake Bartles on the other side has had a few. Uh, nice game so far this season. is 13 touchdown passes on the year, more than he had in, in his entire season last year. So, but he had a you know an interception down in the red zone in this game again. Where as a young player, as a second year player, you see that play and you think that it's just he didn't see it or it was a mental error. But the, a particularly bad throw and didn't really look like it. Looked like there was two Texans could intercept it rather than one and nowhere really near. I think it was Julius Thomas he targeted on it. Uh, Blake Bartles as a whole for the Jaguars fans listening have. Uh, What's your outcome on him so far since he's come into the league and this season? Uh, I'm not usually optimistic, and I'm not usually optimistic for one simple reason. I don't see what I can build around. I think he's very good when you get him outside of the pocket, and like Ben Roethlisberger when well, when Ben Roethlisberger was younger, he can be really good when the play is broken down and he can make difficult throws off or on the move or out of, out of awkward angles. But you can't really build an offense around that. You have to build an offense around what he can do from the pocket and what he can do 
consistently throwing the ball or consistently making decisions. And I don't really see any consistency there from him. He was hugely, uh, or he was very, very bad turning the ball over during his first year. This year he's a little bit better, but I still see that as an issue. So I, I, it, it's hard to buy in right now. Obviously there's some physical talent there, but you're not seeing the technical refinement, you're not seeing the awareness, you're not seeing the consistency in his accuracy. So it's obviously still very early, but quarterbacks don't really get much time anymore. So it could be by the end of this year they might be moving on from him if they have an option to move on from him so, uh, from him too. Yeah, I guess then it's all going to come down as well to the, the coach, if the coach is still there and so on and so forth and what goes on in the draft. But when you're looking at this uh, team, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they've had three losses in a row where they lost in overtime to the Colts without Andrew Luck where they really should have won. They missed two chances at field goals to win that game. They lost last week then to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then they've lost this week to the Jaguars. So although I don't think they should be beating the Colts, when you look at the other two teams, they should be beating them if they want to show progression this year. And again, another loss against one of the lower-rated teams in the NFL and the Houston Texans. Uh, another team that's really looks like their season is over now, and uh, obviously with Jamal Charles getting injured, it was a real blow to them. But I wasn't expecting much. I, I predicted in the off season that they would do very well this season, but since it started, they've been so conservative with the play call, and it's just been a really disappointing season for the Kansas City Chiefs. Defensively, haven't been as good as I would have thought either. And uh, the Minnesota Vikings won in sixteen to ten in this. The Minnesota Vikings have had a, a decent enough start to the season after that Monday night football, but you know they're they're nearly just playing like the Kansas City Chiefs but a little bit better very conservative on the play call um, your thoughts on the Vikings well I think the the comparison to the Chiefs is a fair one but I think the Vikings are conservative because they don't have the offensive line or the receivers to be aggressive You like Stefan Diggs is probably uh, Teddy Bridgewater's best receiver right now even though yeah. Mike Wallace is still there and Stefan Diggs is a late round pick I think I'm not sure they even go undrafted but fifth round yeah, he wasn't a high-round pick, and he wasn't usually talented, in my opinion, coming out. He's been okay, he's been solid, he had a couple of fumbles against the Broncos that were costly. But he's um, he's just, he alone shouldn't be your number one. And so because he can't be your number one and they don't have much depth behind him, Kyle Rudolph is probably their best receiver overall, and he's a tight end. They have to be quite conservative. I think their, their idea entering the season was going to be let's rely on Adrian Peterson as much as possible let's rely on John Sullivan and Phil Lodewald on the offensive line to lead the way for Peterson Peterson came back he, he was rusty at the start and then he was, he was pretty good afterwards but without Lodewald and Sullivan on the offensive line uh, in front of him he's not going to be as, an, as effective a player at this stage of his career so that's kind of disrupted the whole offense but I think that's a team now who, who again a little bit like the Broncos a little bit like the Chiefs they can rely on their defense more than they have to on their offense so that's going to help them a lot moving forward. Yeah, they they really seem to be just winning and, and not having to put in a lot of effort into the wins. But a win here for them. Adrian Peterson didn't have to be at his best, uh, less than 60 yards in this one for him. But overall, the Chiefs, then we all know about uh, the injury to Jamal Charles and uh, Kendrick West come in, Nile Davis come in. None of them really doing that much uh, in the game. And West had a fumble in the fourth quarter, so that really killed the team as well. And uh, when you look at the Vikings, you mentioned Stefan Diggs. Although he's you know two games into his career because he didn't start those first games, he does have 13 catches and 216 yards. But again, that's probably more down to him seeing more targets. And you know, Charles Johnson there was a lot expected of him coming into the season, and as well with uh, Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace seems to have pretty much disappeared after coming over from the Miami Dolphins. So this is a team, though. Maybe he'll find their identity as the season goes on. Maybe Peterson gets a lot more involved as the season goes on, and then we'll see Teddy Bridgewater, who finished the season very strong last year, hasn't really been 
as sharp this year, but maybe that's just down to a little bit more conservative uh, play calling. But I think as the season goes on, they might click into a little bit more of a, a rhythm, and we'll see how this team goes again. Looks like they're going to be in the run for a, a wild card spot in the in the NFC with the way the Packers have started the season as well. So the division looks well beyond them at this point. Next team up, uh, the New York Jets come off their bye week last week, uh, played in London obviously two weeks ago against the Dolphins, played the Washington Redskins, won this game very comfortably in the end, 34-20 to was the final score. Uh, the Jets have looked very good defensively and have looked quite good in offense as well with Branton Marshall having a, a very nice season to start and Chris Ivory's playing sensational stuff at the running back position. Have you been surprised offensively at the, the New York Jets so far? I've been surprised in a sense, but I think they've also faced a lot of limited defences. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm not going to buy into because I've seen this too many times before. And I actually don't think he's played all that well to start the year. He's been throwing a lot of balls up that should be intercepted and haven't been taken advantage of. Uh, I I think, in general, that team is quite talented. And they will be the kind of team that can comfortably beat the average or below-average teams, but is going to struggle a lot against the good teams. And so far in, on their schedule, I think I think they've mostly done that. It could be wrong, I, not off the top of my head. But I, I think the defense there is obviously very good. Todd Bowles with Rivas, with Cromarty, with uh, Sheldon Richardson, I think, came back this week. You're, you're going to be a good matchup for any offense that you face, but it's just a matter of how much can you get out of Ivory, Marshall, Decker, with, with Fitzpatrick at quarterback. That's the big, long question mark, and that's going to be hanging over the team until they prove otherwise against good teams. Yeah, I think the only team, well, it was a, an away game in week two, obviously, so it meant a little bit more, but they played against the Colts, they won that game. That's probably the, the best opposition they've played, but we know the Colts haven't looked great this season so far, so the rest of the team teams they've played have been uh, pretty, pretty negative in their form books. And played the Redskins here, the Redskins obviously missing a lot of players. Uh, Deshaun Jackson out, Jordan Reed out, and Kurt Cousins not playing all that great, but I think that's what I've, on this show, I know I've been predicting from him for the, the whole season, not a big fan of his, but you mentioned the, the play, obviously, on the other side by Fitzmagic, and uh, Branton Marshall, and this was a key, a key example of what you're talking about, of him not playing very well, a pass thrown to Branton Marshall. Basically, you know, if Branton Marshall wasn't as tall and wasn't as good of a wide receiver, that ball is a, you know, a non-completion, hits the ground, and he catches it basically on his shoelaces and breaks a tackle and goes for, a, I think it was a 35-yard touchdown. So things like that are making Fitzpatrick's stats look good, but although uh, he's not playing very well at the quarterback position, but it's enough at the moment to get the Jets into a good position uh, to start the season and a lot better. I think they've already matched their one total from last season. So positive for the New York Jets, the Redskins just depleted at the moment with injuries all around, both defensively and offensively, but their big drawbacks, obviously, I think are going to be Kurt Cousins for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, I think I wrote about Cousins today. I think he's a bit of a disaster, to be honest. Uh, I actually <laughs> think you brought up that play for Marshall, because I thought uh, Bashad Breeland covered it quite well. I think he was, uh, I thought he was probably interfered with, but that yeah, was the kind of Breeland, Breeland could easily have come up with an interception there, but Marshall was just so good and so quick to react. He turned the bat and throw into a big game. So that's the kind of thing that you're going to get against the lesser teams, but whether you get them against the good teams consistently enough to win, I'd be still be sceptical. Yeah, and just a, a mention to Branton Marshall, uh, since 1968 the Jets haven't had a, a receiver to go over 100 yards in four straight games. Marshall done that with his game at the weekend, so uh, you know the Jets finally maybe have a, a top wide receiver to throw the ball to, and then with Decker as well fits that number two role better. He was unlucky not to come up with a touchdown on a, a nice catch and run, which he could stop at the one yard line, but uh, Ivory poked that one and then but uh, the Jets looking a lot better than I expected them to this season and uh, a lot of that again some of these teams obviously don't have good quarterbacks but it's all been based on the uh, the, the defence helping them throughout the game another team that 
I think it's a very, very good quarterback, but they didn't just click into gear this week was the Arizona Cardinals. They lost on the road to Pittsburgh Steelers, and Michael Vick started this game, didn't finish it. Uh, or Landry Jones finishing the game with two touchdowns, and uh, you know it was strange. I, I had backed the Cardinals in a bet in this game, and when I seen Landry Jones coming in, I was thinking, oh well, you know that there that's good for the Cardinals. But from that point forward, it kind of turned into a disaster for the Arizona Cardinals, and turned into the Martavis Bryant show. He he returned uh, and he got uh, two touchdowns in this one to finish off the game. So impressive for him, 168 yards uh, and two touchdowns for Landry Jones as well. But uh, the sooner they get Ben Roethlisberger back, I'm sure the better. Well, that's probably the biggest shock of the year that you're going to see because that Cardinals team has been really, really good all year. Yeah, fantastic. They may not have played, they may not have played great teams, but they've looked really good when they have played and, they, and they've won convincingly. Uh, to see their defense showing up like that was a major shock. Uh, Michael Vick was terrible when he was on the field. He <laughs> he had he completed three passes for six yards. So that that, that tells you how even before Landry Jones came in. When Jones came in, he didn't really play that well, but he was throwing the ball up for Martavis Bryant, who was phenomenal. Yeah. Bryant, was, his first touchdown, like Bryant is six foot four and two hundred and fifteen pounds, and his first touchdown, I'd say it was thrown seven and a half feet in the air, and he just leaped into the air, pulled it out of the pulled it out of the air, uh, took a hit from Tyron Matthew, and still got his feet in bounds, or he got his hip in bounds at least. And then the second one was just a touchdown, was an eighty-eight yard touchdown where. He caught it and just literally turned around, Matthew, and sprinted to the end zone. It, it was a shocking result, and I'm not sure it's something we should read too much into for the Cardinals over the long term. I still think they'll be a really good team, but it's just one of those things that kind of reminds you how unpredictable the NFL can be. Yeah, it's one of those ones where you know the Cardinals have been on a good run. They've really been piling up the points, and then sometimes you get this shock result when teams maybe look ahead a little bit, maybe get a little bit... Uh, you know they're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers and Steelers had a short week maybe they overlooked a little bit I know in the NFL they don't really overlook teams but Carson Palmer and this one still piled up 421 yards but had a couple of very very poor uh, interceptions in this one one that really killed them at the end when they had a chance to take the lead they were down around the 25 yard line he, he targeted John Brown and really threw it into double coverage was picked off so uh, overall uh, disappointing result for the Arizona Cardinals but I think they'll be just pretty fine throughout the rest of the season but Martavis Bryant you mentioned him, he's obviously been suspended for the first four games and uh, this was his first game back activated so looks like he's going to be a key weapon for them going forward as he was last season and you know that second touchdown you mentioned and he was weaving in and out three players as he went along, a player that uh, we mentioned the Minnesota Vikings, a player who seems to be on a milk carton at this stage, uh, maybe returning some punts and kickoffs, uh, Carter L. Patterson, that was the kind of run that he was having catching balls like that there in his first season in the league but unfortunately for him uh, that, that was all he was able to do and he still can't seem to, to run around just on Cardell, Carter L. Patterson I was listening to another podcast during the week and uh, isn't, isn't it amazing how he just can't seem to figure out how to run around with all the athletic ability that he does have? Well it's it's much more important than athleticism really it's about yeah. balance, about uh, awareness about footwork is hugely important but Patterson's biggest issue has always been that there are two Carter L. Patterson's when he has the ball, he's hugely aggressive. He's, yeah. he's hugely decisive. When he doesn't have the ball, he's very tentative. He won't use his upper body to get to get positioning against aggressive coverage, and he's just not hugely smart in terms of how he sets his routes up. And it, it just really speaks to how you can't really just focus on someone's measurements or their statistical output in college because the game is a little bit different in the NFL, and the because everyone in the NFL is an athlete, so you have to be quite precise. Because even on Bryant's long touchdown uh, in that seals that game, his route he ran was perfect. It was perfectly timed. Yeah, yeah. It was showed great balance, showed great footwork. So that's how he got away from Matthew initially. 
Yeah, the, but there wasn't too many people at the start of last season before we started wasn't predicting big things from him and he's really fallen off the face of the earth. But uh, this season, a team that had fallen off the face of the earth was the Miami Dolphins and obviously changed their head coach after or during the bye week. They got a win this week against the Tennessee Titans, 38-10. to uh, Win very convincingly. Uh, Tannehill, though, in this game, if you look back, there'll be some worrying signs with a, a couple of bad interceptions thrown by him. But in the end, they got away with it, got the win, won quite easily. Mariota took a big hit low down in this uh, early in the first half, was limping around for the rest of the game. Uh, Zach Mettenberger ended up playing the final two minutes when the game was done. But, uh, you know... We'll see. We'll see how the injury is to Mariota. I'm sure he'll be fine to play next week. But Coach Campbell come in. They've done uh, a lot better job defensively. Looked to have a little bit more fight against them. And the Dolphins picking up uh, their first win of the season. Well, I would say I'm not second one of the season. Sorry, they bet the Redskins as well. Sorry. Well, I would say I'm not too concerned about Tannehill's interceptions because one went off Jordan Cameron's hands, and the other was a miscommunication with Jordan Cameron where he was in the wrong spot. Uh, Tannehill played pretty well overall even though the quality of the defence isn't very good so you can't read too much into that the big uh, out, or the big takeaway from that game for me was the new coaching staff is willing to give the ball to Lamar Miller yeah. they opened the game and just relied on Miller to set up the offence and that made their play action better it made uh, the misdirection uh, cause when they were moving laterally better and it allowed Miller to gain yards at one point I think I, I tweeted it out at the time I think he was 9 touches for 58 yards in the first half which compared to what he's had, it's probably more than he had all season. Like it probably, I can't check it now, but it probably is. But I know nine touches in one half is huge for him because the previous coaching staff was terrified of giving him the ball. Yeah, from a fantasy football perspective, at the start of the season, I was expecting massive things from him. He was coming in average in huge numbers per yards per carry, and he was going to be the lead back. It's a contract year for him. I was expecting huge things, but they just seemed afraid to give him the ball. Then they were falling behind in games, and then they had no balance at all. They had to throw the ball. So <clears throat> when they were playing defences against like the Jets in the last game, they played uh, the Buffalo Bills as well. You can't just be setting up and trying to throw it every time with their defensive line trying to get at you. So um, it looks a lot more balanced, and we'll see how they go going forward. Maybe it was just a big game where they the extra week to repair and got up for it but the, the Titans now losing back to back home games they lost to the Bills last week as well so it's been a tough couple of weeks for the Tennessee Titans but again long term they're going to be hoping that Mariota uh, his injury isn't uh, anyway significant and just on the case of the rookie quarterback he uh, hasn't made many mistakes this season but uh, how have you found that he has developed so far in his rookie campaign I think he's been fantastic and I think that the biggest takeaway isn't the production that he's had it's how he's produced he's been making reads from the pocket he's been going through full progressions while making good decisions he's been adjusting to pressure he's been making throws under pressure the the offensive line in front of him is really bad and it's yeah. been it's been limited by injuries and the absence of Levitri who was traded away after getting benched for 40 year uh, he's he's consistently played well he's consistently made those around him better he's obviously had rookie struggles they're going to come with, uh, with simple just decision making but overall he's completely disproving any of the media analysis that was saying he was a system quarterback or he wasn't uh, smart enough to play at this level they're, they're, he's, he's justified the Titans taking him second overall even though they're not winning games Yeah, you have to look long term too he does look fantastic so far looks calm in the pocket I think then we've seen him with a fumble uh, just shortly after he got hit yesterday I think it was more down to the fact that he was after getting hit uh, in, in the pocket and then you know he had held on to the ball a little bit longer and he was probably afraid that the offensive line wasn't going to hold up but overall I think uh, you have to be very very positive as to how he started the season and uh, very very 
good pick so far, it looks like, for the t- Titans, although it's not developing into wins at the situation. Um, we talked about some players falling off earlier. We mentioned Cordero Patterson, but the San Francisco 49ers, and there was a lot of talk about the regression of Colin Kaepernick. He started the season very poorly, and last season wasn't very good from a statistical point of view for him, but they get a win here against the Baltimore Ravens, who look absolutely terrible in the Kaepernick against the Giants in that second half, and in this game here, had some nice throws, and we finally found out that... Uh, uh, Tory Smith is still alive and against his former team had a nice game here well the thing with Kaepernick is he hasn't really changed a huge amount over his career what's changed is what the offense or what the coaching staff has asked him to do when you play to his strengths he's fine he's not great he's not spectacular he's not in, he's, he's not usually consistent but he's also not going to be the disaster he was against the Arizona Cardinals I think you, you can get this kind of production out of him for 16 games if you commit to playing a certain way and we, we have to see if the 49ers are willing to do that. But so over the last two games, that's what they've done. And the results have been not great, but they've been decent. Yeah, and if you look to... Obviously, this is a rematch of the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And uh, Torrey Smith and uh, Anquan Bolden playing for the Ravens in this. They piled up for 198 yards combined in this one against their old team. So big, big, big display uh, from the wide receiver game. We don't usually associate the, the 49ers with high-scoring or high-productive wide receivers over the last couple of years, more based on their own game, but good stuff from them from that point of view. Steve Smith back for the Ravens in this one, obviously, had an injury a couple of weeks back and returned a lot quicker than most of us would have expected. Uh, he had a touchdown in this one. Joe Flacco, though, has to take credit for this loss uh, in a couple of big ways. He had a, a very, very poor uh, interception close to the end of this game. I think it was just the start of the fourth quarter. I don't know who he thought he was throwing it or where he thought he was throwing it straight to the, the 49ers defensive light or to the, the cornerback but Flacco has he regressed a little bit do you think he has regressed but he regressed about a year and a half ago and has been Just playing quite for a while he, he's making terrible decisions and his accuracy has been off because he doesn't care about his footwork anymore his feet are all over the place when he's releasing the ball which is something Kaepernick has had issues with over over the years yeah. but Flacco's kind of getting a pass because he's obviously won a Super Bowl before so you, you look at that just that one game if the 49ers had, had won if they'd completed that final fade throw to Michael Crabtree yeah. we'd probably be talking about these quarterbacks in opposite ways right now yeah that's actually very true actually when you look at it from that perspective but uh, a win here for the 49ers at home 25-20 to 20, and uh, we'll see how both team seasons go going forward the Ravens uh, looking like they're going to have their worst season for for basically the last you know, kind of 10 years. They're, they're very consistent, keeping winning records each and every year, making the playoffs, but they'll certainly not be making the playoffs now with their record this season. But that wraps up all the, the games of the week. Obviously, Monday Night Football, when we're recording, hasn't taken place, so uh, I'm going to leave that game until uh, I might do it on the next week's preview show. But as always, Kian, it's been a lot of fun talking football with you. And the listeners can follow you on Twitter, at KianAF. That's the correct Twitter handle, I hope. And anything else when you're on that you want to plug? I know you're involved with football guys and many other sites you mentioned writing uh, pieces earlier on the show some phenomenal stuff that you've been pushing out this season no it all goes up on the twitter so twitter should be the, the place to find it really that's no problem so follow him on twitter at kian af and it is kian it's not kieran and it's not different names that he we just called on some other on some other productions but uh thanks a lot as always for coming on the show and uh hopefully enjoy the rest of the season we'll be on later in the year thanks man i appreciate it Hi, this is Harry Carson, former New York Giant and Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to Overtime Ireland. As always, a lot of fun talking to Key in there when he was on. It's at KeyNAF, as I mentioned, on Twitter. Be sure and follow him. Find out all the stuff that he is writing about. Always interesting, very good breakdowns. And great to see an Irishman doing so much great work in the world of NFL and American football. So that's Key and Fahey. And um, 
Brilliant, really worth that. That's really everything wrapped up for the show. Monday Night Football about to kick off here now, and uh, so we haven't recapped it. And the recap, obviously, is we don't know the result. I think, uh, obviously, Odell Beckham expected to play now for the Giants, has hamstring issues. Uh, we'll see how much he is limited, how, how it goes. But if, uh, Eli Manning's got away with a few throws this year, uh, likely. There could have been interceptions, and um, I think this game here, hopefully it doesn't die. I'm, I'm playing a few fantasy football games and facing the Eagles' defence and need them to get less than 10 points in a couple of leagues that I'm playing in this week. So hopefully the Eagles' defence don't step up too big. Apologies to all the Eagles fans out there. But I just have a feeling Eli Manning on the road, he usually steps up uh, when they're playing on the road. The big key concern, obviously, is Odell Beckham and how healthy he is to go in this one with the hamstring issues. But I'm going to go for a narrow win here for... The Giants haven't been all that impressed by what the Philadelphia Eagles have done this season in the passing game, and we'll see how it goes this week, but I'm going to go for a narrow win for the Giants. And of course, I'll be back later in the week with another show. We have a couple of guests, as I mentioned, lined up now. Hopefully it'll not just be me talking. Hopefully we'll be guests on to get their thoughts as well. So later in the week, I'll be back with another guest, and uh, of course... Uh, NFL Wembley this week again so we'll have a, a triple header coming up on Sundays so until I'm back later in the show or later in the week rather, keep spreading the word off the Overtime Martin podcast, keep doing what you've been doing, hopefully you'll have a good week and uh, meet me back here later in the week for another show and until then, have a good one Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.